Okay, Paula, thanks for joining us and welcome to the Creative Leaders Podcast. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yes, very well, thank you. Um, we're just going to start off as we, we usually do on the, the podcast by asking you to give us your origin story and some insight into why you do what you do. Okay, so I was born in Brazil and moved. No, um, so I have a, a, a fine art degree. Actually, I went to uh, Duncan and Jordanston um, a long time ago, did time-based art, and had my sort of sights set on a career as sort of an art director or somewhere in the film industry. Um, I'm a, a real movie buff and, yeah, just just knew I wanted to sort of be in that sort of world. And uh, having graduated with the fine art degree and nowhere to go, didn't know anybody, um, I was told sort of by one of my, my uh, college peers that, you know, most people can get in starting work as a runner. And um, I didn't want to move to London because it was too scary and I was too poor. So uh, I followed uh, somebody to Glasgow and got a job in uh, a, a post-production facility, Edit 123, as a runner. Um, was there for six months before uh, got offered an opportunity to work in an, an advertising agency, which is a new world to me. But at this point, you know, after six months of running, anything will do. <laughs> so uh, spoke to sort of the, the then head of TV um, who said, you know, do you want to come and be my assistant? I'll have you producing within you know, six months. Um, I went and I was producing within two months. So it was just brilliant world, um, live action that they did a little bit of animation and um, you just being sort of an advertising producer, you get to sort of touch every, you know, every part of a production from, you know, pre-pro casting, creative inception of the idea right through to the, the broadcast. So it was fantastic to sort of really cut my teeth in in that world um we were working with scottish power and um, we were looking to do an, an animation campaign and i'd heard of this studio called axis um who were sort of just around the corner and i thought well, just get them in um axis came in did a pitch and we we pitched together to scottish power won the campaign and um you know, therein started a, a sort of a relationship that, that spanned many commercials. Um, and yeah, that, that was that was really good. Um, at that point, it must have been sort of in the early, early noughties, I think the advertising industry started to, to go into a bit of a decline. And my showreel, <laughs> at that point, you know, I was still relatively new to the industry. And I could see my showreel's sort of quality just not not really going anywhere. I would have to to make a move. And at that point, um, the the head of production at Axis had said, "Hey, we might have something. You want to you want to jump over to the the other side, the the service side?" And I thought, "Oh, this could be could be exciting." Weirdly, I knew that loads of my art college peers were working there. So it was it was a really kind of strange situation, like linking up with everybody again. Um, so I went to work for Axis as as a freelancer in two thousand five. Um, it was 
pretty much a baptism of fire because I had no experience working in animation, but I knew production. So I, I knew sort of how to get things done. So, but it was a real eye-opener at that point because all I knew from Axis was, you know, the local regional commercials that we were doing, um, relatively low budget at that point as well. And then when I came in and they were like, oh yeah, we're working with Sony, we've just done the Killzone trailer. And they've done some absolutely amazing stuff for you know international audiences and I thought holy moly like these guys are are really not shouting loud enough about what it is that they're doing um they were also doing some commercials for London agencies and but again everything you know this was before YouTube before really social media was was a thing um so a lot of the stuff was pretty under the radar and they 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 didn't shout out about it um but when I came into Axis they were just undergoing its first sort of major expansion. We were doing about to start work on Code Hunters, um, short film with uh, Ben Hibben. And um, yeah, so I came aboard not to work on that show, but just to cover all the other projects that were going. So there was Skyfish commercials, there was BBC content, um, and there was these video game trailers that, you know, they were constantly like bidding on and sometimes winning, sometimes not. But um, yeah, it was it was a real roller coaster ride. You know, um, most of the studio was occupied doing Code Hunters, so it was really sort of learn as you as you go. And um, the studio at that point didn't have an awful lot of of systems. So I'm I'm now the head of production. I should have said that before. So I'm now the head of production for the feature and episodic stuff. But um, I came in as a producer you know, into an environment where it was very much creatively led and you could tell because I was like, how do you track productions? And there was um, a little in the way of production tracking, you know, the budgets. I was like, "How? how where's the detail? How does this break <laughs> down? What are overheads? What are this? You know, like I was so green in that respect. Um, but it was really great. They had a, a, an EP um called Imke Furman who I think was my first real mentor you know I just she had worked on you know feature films like Valiant she'd she'd come in knowing you know her stuff and I thought great I can really learn from this person um and yeah they're they're in a career in you know producing video games trailers producing commercials um working alongside you know local advertising agencies and national advertising agencies but really trying to push what we were doing you know with the the video games world but at the core like I knew that the owners like Dana his goal was to produce you know to to make a feature film which again the original world I wanted to be in I wanted to be in filmmaking Um, so I was like oh I'll stick around with these guys a wee bit more see where this leads um, and it, it just kind of went on from there, you know, every, every time, I mean, I'm coming up to my 18th anniversary, uh, in a studio and, you know, it, every time I've thought maybe now's the time to go, there's, there's an opportunity that's come up. Um, the work, obviously you have you know, a lot of people are familiar with the work that we do now, you know, um, from 
the Love, Death and Robots stuff to, you know, the feature film that we did, Scrooge, um, to all the way back to, you know, the commercials. And um, so, yeah, it's, it's there's a lot of variety here. Again, that, that, that sort of touched on my love for the diversity. You know, I liked advertising land because you were always getting that variety. If it wasn't TV, it was radio and no projects the same. And I, and I think it was a lot of the same with Axis. Even when it was doing game trailers, the look was the same. The partnerships were, the, were sorry, the, the looks were different. The partnerships were different. The dynamics, you know, and client handling and working with, you know, directors, that varied from project to project. And it's something that I really enjoyed, you know, with every show is building that team, getting through it together. Because I think yeah. a lot of the times, you know, it's almost like the, the bigger, the bigger the mountain, you know, the bigger the payoff. And I think for somebody working in production, it is a really tough career. You know, you're at, you're constantly sort of treading that, that fine line between, you know, what the creative needs and what the budget and schedule you've got and you know wearing lots of different hats from you know being somebody's agony aunt because they're having a tough time and you you know you you want to get them through it to you know to being sort of the the whipper of get <laughs> things done and making sure that that everybody keeps their their um their eyes on the prize and and keeping things on track you know I think you've got to be of a certain disposition and, and, you know, you've got to find a way to thrive under those circumstances. And I've seen it a lot, you know, when it's, when it's not been a match for somebody, you know, part of my job now, which I'm, you know, I'm, I'm only a year into the role. I avoided it for a long time because management, you know, you do get this thing. Leadership is different than management and, I thought I was I was always a good leader and I knew I was a good leader but I didn't always think I was a good manager you know and I think it's something that just with experience the more I've done it the more you've seen sort of people come in and also you know some do amazingly and you're like yep yep I want to take that versus some people who come in and you're like no you know, I, I wouldn't be doing it that way. I think you've got to just, it's a constant learning curve in adapting and just staying present and progressive, I think as well. You can't just stick, you know, I think it would be very easy to, to stick to, to what we knew or what I know as a studio, you know, this is how I ran projects, you know, 10 years ago, you've got to evolve because you know the people are evolving the work is evolving the technology is evolving but that's part of the excitement that's part of the fun that's right yeah i mean that 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 must be quite a challenge in itself to go from a leadership role um and sort of leading that team with a very firm idea of how you actually want to to lead a project and how you want it to go to i mean i'm kind of guessing here but if you then move to more of a management position I imagine there's more hands off and, and more delegating and, and sort of trying to get comfortable with maybe being uncomfortable. Yeah. And for a control freak, that's not 
that's not <laughs> easy, you know. And I think I am very, you know, detailed oriented. Just I like things done right, you know. And I think you've got to. A long time ago, I think, you know, again, on, on some of the really tough shows that we've worked on, you learn that, you know, you have to live with imperfection. You know, it's okay for something to to just be a little bit broken as long as you get the payoff. I think, um, what was it, Steve Jobs or something said, I, I, I saw this quote and I thought this is so bang on. It's not always important to be right, but it's important to get it right. and I, I totally stand by that now. You know, it's like on my projects, you you lean on the expertise of the people. You need to listen to the team. You need to give them the opportunity. A lot of the times, you know, with production, my production team, the coordinators or managers, we've had a clash of opinion of how something should be run. So, you know, I've let them go, okay, let's do it your way. But if it doesn't work, we're, we're my way. And sometimes it's worked their way and that's great, you know, because that's something that I've then learned. But a lot of the times it hasn't. And this is when there's a lesson in there for them and sort of, but it's, it's not like a validation or anything because it, at the end of the day, you're just trying to get the job done and get it done as effectively, um, as happily as you can. Because I think the key to, to sort of, I don't know, longevity in this in this industry and and, and this role is finding that that joy and it's the experience you know people stick around if the experience is is good and they don't if it's rubbish you know and that applies to crew that applies to clients you know and creative leaders how do you approach that if if it's a case of saying okay listening to your team and saying okay let's try it your way do you have a do you have like a kind of plan b or a set set amount of time and before you have to then step in how, how I, I try and imagine it with animation i always think god that must be an absolute nightmare because there's so many people and crew to to keep you know so yeah it'd be really interesting Is it like, how, how do you approach that like in terms of you know how much time do you give them or yeah, everybody's different. I, I always have a plan B, C, D, E, you know, because there's, it's so changeable, the environment. And, you know, all it takes is, you know, a piece of technology not working or a piece of feedback coming in, you know, that you didn't expect or somebody going off sick. There's so many variables that you you constantly got to juggle that, what I always try and get is markers through the production timelines, you know, so that again, we're trying, you know, a new process. If at that point we're still not seeing it take, that's my cue to adapt, you know. And so sometimes depending on again, where you are in a production, you know, what's the bigger pain? Is it changing to make sure you get the right process or is actually just see through that final week yeah, it's rubbish, but, you know, let's just get this done. But it, again, you know, the reason that I like to work in the long format side of things is because I enjoy that time that you have to strategize, to sort of experiment a little bit more. I think the short format work, you know, in commercials or trailers, the schedules are tighter, things overlap a lot more. And there's a lot 
less time to to get it wrong and fix it you know you you're you sort of you're making decisions based on the, the the facts that you've got at that time and you've got to hope that you make the right one if you don't you feel it really quickly um, but you know again you course correct as best as you can um and you don't always get it right you know nobody does the important thing is is just to respond to that try and catch things early so that you do have those opportunities to to course correct um i think we are at access quite an admin heavy studio comparatively you know with with other studios that i i've heard of people have come in from them but that's really sort of what allows us to make the best decisions for the project to make sure that budget ends up on screen you know we track areas of the production not only progress not only scope but team morale you know client relationship the team dynamics and partnerships because everything plays into the successful running of a show and, and that experience that you want to give um to the team and and to the clients as well and how much were you directly kind of involved or responsible for that the implementation of that amount of admin and tracking because obviously as I mentioned before when you joined Axis um they were more creative led um it sounds like at that time as well kind of maybe even the focus of the business wasn't obviously where it is now kind of doing a little bits of everything how uh, how directly were were you involved in sort of shaping and changing the culture um at, at Axis in terms of how projects are tracked and managed um, in the early days, a lot. So I was heavily involved. Um, I think the producer tracker doc has, you know, has seen many iterations. Uh, we don't really use that now. We we use, you know, a, a software, um, but we do use some of the the old producer tracker um, for reporting. But I I think I've seen it travel. You know, people who have of of uh come and left and you know are in other studios now and have taken the best bits you know let's say from them but i definitely can't take credit for for where the studio is at just now you know and it's production tracking via shot grids i had nothing to do with that you know that was all people that you know the heads of production that have been um for me um who have done a, an amazing job you know at, at really getting the studio to to be able to cope with you know the the volume of work that we do and um, both in the short form and the long form um but yeah i mean it's we're at that point now that getting people to come in from the outside is a real plus because you know again it just enriches you know and it allows us to to hone our processes um but also it, it does reassure us actually you know for all of all the complaints you know that that there is about documentation and everything i've yet to come across somebody who's who's brought in and said oh you know we did it this way and it was perfect i don't think even that you know and we've had people come in you know from dreamworks from you know dneg cinesite big big studios and everyone sort of living their own you know their own production chaos organized chaos if you like um and i think you just gotta now 
back yourself, you know, believe in what you, you, what we've got, you know, set up as a studio, but keep pushing to, to drive, you know, where can we improve? Where can we learn? Um, just to, again, make things more efficient and get the best out of people and the creative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was going to kind of dive in a little bit more then into the sort of the the sort of inner workings of the you know of, of tracking projects and stuff like that. But it might be a, a good place to start by actually asking you more about your current role. So obviously you've you spent a lot of time on the short form side of things. Um, and as you mentioned, you're now head of production for uh, features and long form projects. So uh, yeah, walk us through a kind of typical day. I'm guessing there is no typical day, but it's, you know, <laughs> I'll, ask, <laughs> I'll ask the question anyway. A typical day uh, as, as a sort of head of production in a, in a feature department at Access, what does that look like? Um, it's busy very busy but it's it's really exciting it's I feel like it's where I'm meant to be um which is again really great to to have those um those kind of feelings so far into my my career and my access journey um we for a long time we have been doing work on on developing the the sort of the development side of the the studio so originals and co-productions um so that's kind of a big part of what I do. So I, I oversee sort of the production side of developments um, as well as service and, you know, in-house features and episodic content as well. So it involves me working really closely with um, our head of business development for features and episodic and our, our uh, executive producer, um, Andrew Pierce, who's over in LA at the moment. Um, he's back next year, but has been out there for a couple of years to just really drive, you know, business development, get those opportunities, get access, you know, on the sort of in Hollywood um, and get those connections. So it's, it's really exciting because you're going into calls sometimes with, you know, people who you sort of, Oh my God, they're, you know, they're, they're real bigwigs you know and and people that inspire me and inspire the team um and just to be sort of in that that place where we're talking to to them about you know potential collaborations um is really exciting um i think on that that's kind of all on on the the planning and development and you know future and the present so we we're about sort of just over midway through um, our uh, series for for Marvel, and you know that's been, I mean, a, a real game changer for for us, and it's consumed the vast majority of my time just to make sure that things you know are going as they should, to make sure that I can support the team and the production um, to the best of my ability, and and that will typically involve you know removing as much noise from a, about the production as I can um, working with Marvel is, you know, you're, you're talking kind of ultra security, which is a different way of working in typical projects that comes with a whole host of just, you know, admin and logistics and infrastructure changes, you know, all that has to be handled. So, um, and as well as that, you know, 
the studio is still half of the studio is still making content, you know, for, for the short form side. So um, there's a lot just linking, you know, w- working with other heads of department, but trying to support the studio as much as possible to make sure that that, that show runs as smoothly as it can and is the best that it can be. Um, it does involve sort of, again, quite close collaboration at, at you know, client levels, normally at the start, but again, if ever kind of things, you know, needs uh, another conversation, if we're maybe at an impasse on something, that's where I come into play, you know, just to, again, alleviate that that pressure for either the, the, the line producers and, and, and the EPs um, and, yeah, work towards the best solutions. So that's that's kind of my, my day-to-day. Um, I'm also I juggle that with... Um, being part of Animation Scotland, um, so I'm on the board there, and it's it is expansive because you know Scotland's got such a, an amazing animation community and 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 a gaming community as well. And although Access doesn't do video games, it's still in our interest, you know, to to sort of align ourselves with that as an industry because it's it's so close to what what we do in terms of content creation. Um, but it's about the, the, the community and the industry. And there's nothing I love more than, like I, I'm a parent now, I have two kids, um, one in high school and in primary school. And you get to talking to other parents and, you know, and they're like, what do you do? And I'd say, I've worked for an animation company, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, my, my child's really into art, but oh, I don't know whether to encourage that or not. You know, and I'm like, please do. <laughs> you know it's such we've come a long way from where you know viable you know sort of decent well-earning careers are in law or medicine or accountancy or what what have you you know the creative industry's got so much opportunity and you know again depending on on where you go you know you can make a really really good living out of it and I I just don't think that's known, you know, it's certainly yeah. not at grassroots. So I'm, you know, trying to sort of get in there at, you know, the the high schools and, and primary schools and just at this point, excite them, inspire them, show them that, you know, at least from a local perspective, there's a studio right here in Glasgow yeah. that does, you know, these amazingly international things. And every time I go in to do a talk at a school, I come out absolutely buzzing and and you just see the reaction that it's had, you know, on, on the students, most of who like never knew these types of careers even existed, you know? It's, it's a great point. And it's, it's crazy because there's, there's been occasions where uh, I can't think specifics, but you know, I've, I've been speaking to people and, and sort of mentioned, oh, access, you know, or, you know, uh, you know, we've been doing this thing with Axis, or do you know the Axis who, you know, the, they're a big animation studio? And like, no, no, no. Um, and I'm I'm kind of like, it's crazy that one of the biggest animation studios in the world, and people just don't know the industry that we have here. And I think it's also, it seems like very slowly that, you know, there is a change of uh, understanding of how valuable the creative industries are to the UK economy. And you know, fingers crossed, starting to see 
um, a little bit more investment there. But it's it's, it's interesting because we quite often ask guests on this podcast, you know, guests from the animation side uh, about their involvement with grassroots and but but more in terms of universities um but it raises a great question about getting in there a little bit earlier with schools you know my uh my oldest is uh, in p2 now and he just loves drawing uh you know you know you can you can already see that you know, he doesn't want to be at school he wants to be creative at least that's what i'm thinking anyways um you know, and then the other day I picked him up from school and the first thing he said to me is, can we go and make a game? You know, he thinks <laughs> he can just kind of, you know, make a game in an hour sort of thing. And it does feel like there's not really the same emphasis at that age, you know, primary school and secondary school of, you know, encouraging the arts and, and, and the, the creative industries. Is it, is it something, how, how involved, you know, are Axis or you, specifically you know in in sort of in the educational side of things so we we do have a person dedicated um to you know higher education and and you know making those connections um john mortimer and he's done a, a phenomenal job so far and you know long may it continue to to expand and strengthen obviously with lockdown that saw you know a brutal sort of hold on any sort of mentorships and, and internships programs that, that we had run. Um, but they're, you know, they're now getting back up and running. And um, that's definitely something, an area where the studio is very focused on, on, um, on seeing to, because it's, it's in our interest to, you know, to have homegrown talents. I mean, again, we live in a world now where remote working is, is, you know, our hybrid working, let's say, is the norm. And, you know, in the past, pre, pre-COVID, it was a nightmare to recruit, you know, because you you literally had to try and entice people, come to Scotland, come to Glasgow, and it's great here. And unless it really suited them, you know, people just didn't want to move. They wanted to go to London because, again, it was easier to sort of jump from studio to studio. Um, and you know, from a, a recruitment perspective as well, it's really hard to say to somebody, can you, can you move for just, you know, four, four to six months, you know, while, while you're working on this trailer, again, slightly easier to have that conversation if you've got a long form show where it's, you know, they're engaged for a year, you know, or more, but it was still, you weren't making these, these hiring decisions lightly because that's people's lives, you know, that, you had to, to really take into consideration. Whereas, you know, enter lockdown and the world just opened up for us. You know, all of a sudden we had people who we'd worked with in the past, but, you know, had to move away for whatever, you know, family reasons or personal preference or whatever. And they were getting back in touch and going, hey, are you guys doing the remote thing? And we're like, come on back. You know, so that that was really fantastic. And and it has continued, you know, we we nearly doubled in size overnight you know with Scrooge being going into production but also just obviously the the opportunities that that really ended up coming our way because we we could we we did have the capacity to to service them um but it doesn't take away from the fact that we should be doing as much as we can to develop 
homegrown talent to to offer those opportunities. And I think for you know for graduates and and sort of more junior, there's nothing that you know like they need to be in the studio. They get so much out of learning. You know, not only technically. But the interpersonal side of things as well, the the teamwork side of things, there's just you can't get that as you know as well. I don't think from from a hybrid or, or remote situation. So I think that's maybe where we'll see, you know, that that increase in studio presence to be able to to bring sort of those those more junior people and be able to give them that start in their careers um, that is as rich as we can make it. Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. Is it is it harder or just the same? You know, for you in terms of managing a production at scale with the hybrid model. So when you've got so many staff working offsite and remotely, does that um, is it a sort of increased challenge, or have you found it to be a change, but not necessarily a overly difficult change? No, it's not been an overly difficult change personally, and 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 again, I. I found that from from my own circumstances, it it was just such a life changing situation. You know, um, before lockdown, I had already decided to sort of cut back to, to four days a week, um, and working one day from home because you know my children were a lot younger then, and I was just I was missing it, and I I was starting to you know resent just. The, the life decisions that I'd made and the choices that I'd made and and really question whether, you know, producing and, and being a, a, a senior sort of member of a studio of Axis's size was compatible with my my lifestyle and and family comes first, you know? And and that's a philosophy that again I've stayed with Axis for so long because they're incredibly supportive of that that sort of that philosophy and you know and the studio's culture it is you know it's very it's family friendly it encourages you know productivity you know but it looks it it looks after its its staff's well-being because at the end of the day if you've got happy workforce you know I certainly am more inclined to give back you know I'll go out of my way because I know just how much sort of you know this company has has done for me when I've had to you know call in and go my kids being taken to the hospital I've got to be there you know or it's it's some really scary stuff sometimes that you deal with as a parent and you know not even you don't have to be a parent you know like with pets and with your own you know life choices I think when it comes to these personal conflicts um it's really difficult to manage that with you know a busy project workload and deadlines but i have to say like everyone has always been nothing but supportive and yeah it's inconvenient sometimes that you've got to cover but it it goes both ways you know so um i do think it's important that we continue to um to to support that sort of culture yeah 100 percent. it's um i suppose it's it's kind of that way where you know we've kind of shifted from this idea that you know 
you have to be you know you you have to be at your job five days a week and it's you know it's yeah it it does feel like if you can give your team that sort of that that feeling of you know trust of you know basic kind of trust of course you know Treat everybody as individuals, you know, because everybody's circumstances are slightly different. And I think if we can afford that flexibility, I mean, at the end of the day, it's got to work for the studio. You know, that's that's the bottom line because we're we're a business. But, you know, having that flexibility matters and you see it pay off, you know, when you can sort of give a little um, and, 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 you know, either staff retention or their productivity. But I do find, you know, there's when you have these face-to-face, you know, maybe we have a production lunch or, you know, I go into the office like, you know, once or twice a week, it does, you, it's just so lovely. Nothing replaces that face-to-face. You do, your bonds just strengthen. So I am finding myself sort of having to just push myself to, to go in and be more present, be more visible to the team um, because it, it matters, I think, uh, at management level to be seen and to be to be there, you know, and for the team to know that they can count on you. Yeah. Um, yeah. It does. And Axis have always been good at supporting that culture, haven't they, in terms of just social events and, and you know, if there's a project that's happening or, or a project that's finished, you know, kind of, you know, doing, doing showings off and things like that. And I'm, I'm curious to know, though, how do you find that that translates over to working with US-based clients? Because obviously the US is notorious for, you know, work, 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 get like two days off a year. <laughs> um I'm curious to know how, you know, how does that then, do you find that US clients are kind of on a similar wavelength or can can there be, is there more expectations from that side? I mean, whether there is expectations or not, there's a reality that we live in. And at the end of the day, we just need to protect their interests and the interests of the project. If that seemed to, then, you know, they might not like it. I've never you know, experience sort of visible sort of frustrations or being, you know, called, you know, about this is just not acceptable. You know, sometimes it's it's inconvenient because, you know, we there's holidays, but that's 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 reality. That's the the world that, that we live in and and the benefits that we offer. So <laughs> you know, good for us. Um I, I'm yeah. I think it's each to their own, you know, as long as we protect the interests of the project, the project doesn't suffer, then, you know, people can have their opinions, but it's not going to change, you know, our, how we work as a studio. Yeah. yeah, how you approach it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are the the sort of ambitions, ambitions then from the access's point of view of, of your department so um long form feature films obviously uh you guys delivered scrooge uh almost this time last year with netflix um from what you're kind of saying so far it's been a kind of a long-term ambition for the studio to 
you know, to establish themselves as a, a kind of a, a, a feature powerhouse. Um, is there any insight you can give us into you know those kind of ambitions and long term plans for that that division of Axis? Yeah, that I mean, we world domination. No, um, we just want to keep making really great content, and you know, ideally, it would be amazing to make an original. We do have um, a couple of you know developments um, that are originals. But um, obviously, with you know the whole industry sort of slowed down a lot with you know the writers' strikes and 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 the actor strikes. So I think we're going to have to be prepared for development. I mean, development's already slow, but it's going to crawl, you know, for a little while longer, um, and just have enough, you know, ideas spinning and developments opportunities spinning that you know the right time will come for one of those and we've got to jump on it. But in the meantime, you know, we're still very much a service studio and, you know, collaborations with, you know, either Netflix, Amazon, DreamWorks, Sony, you know, whoever, it's on the table. You know, we we can offer a lot in terms of just pure animation execution, creative leadership, creative supervision, we just want to tell great stories and i think that's that's how things are going to continue to be pushed um you know in that direction we've got the short form stuff as well that is you know constantly just just making amazing stuff and the visual effects side um so there's lots lots on the horizon um i don't see the, the studio sort of slowing down it would be good for us just to kind of you know let's stay where we are kind of size wise because every time we you know there's something new and it means an expansion it doesn't it's not without some some pain because you know you've got to evolve your processes and you've got to just you know set up for those circumstances but it's also really exciting you know and and most of us here love a challenge (laughs) so (laughs) Yeah, let's see what what 2024 holds for us. Brings along. Excellent. Um, You you mentioned something earlier, which I thought was interesting, uh, the idea of, you know, leadership versus management. Um, Obviously, this podcast is all about uh, creative leadership. Do you have any sort of words of advice or, or just any kind of general insight into what you believe to be uh, effective and, and great leadership in a creative role? Um, I think look after people, be of use, serve a purpose. You know, you gotta, you got to have a purpose. Um, you know, stick to your values, I guess, as an individual, because, you know, if you're, if you're true to your values, you will, you know, be fulfilled as an individual which will make you I think a better leader or a better manager um I think always try to keep an open mind and and that sort of growth mindset you know I listen to a lot of you know leadership podcasts and um 
I enjoy them, you know, as much for the things that I, it's not really my style, you know, and, and, you know, and I'll take that from it. Um, but I, I am enjoying the, the sort of the people side now, whereas before it was all, you know, I really enjoyed projects and leading projects and I avoided management like the plague because I was just like, I don't like people issues. And whereas actually now, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's my age, maybe it's experience. I don't know, but I've, I do find myself like being fulfilled by helping people, by helping situations, by wanting to support and to be of service. Um, and that's, that's kind of it for me, you know, as long as you can, can sort of stay true to those, those core values you'll do okay, you know, and you won't get it. You won't always get it right. But it's important to just, I think, shake it off and crack on. Yeah. Um, On the note of not always getting it right, uh, looking back at different projects over the years, is there any kind of particular learnings uh, that you've taken away I'm thinking from like a case study point of view of, you know, things that went well, things that haven't, haven't gone so well. Um, I'm kind of, I guess just that idea of, you know, learning from failures is always something we try to tap into on this show. Is there anything looking back case study wise? uh, Plenty. (laughs) (laughs) Plenty. Um, No, I think trust your gut. You know, I think a lot of the times I've, you know, I've been not, I think swayed or led. I I don't know. No, I followed a particular path because I felt at the time that was the right thing to do. Um, Knowing deep down it it didn't feel quite right, you know, and I think the more experience you get, the more you sort of, you, you learn to sort of dig your heels in a bit, you know, when, when those gut feelings really play up. But, it, you know, at the core of it, it's normally been, you know, like something in the, in the team casting that I haven't got quite right. You know, I haven't, we haven't been able to match up the appropriate, you know, not appropriate, but the right, the right mix of personalities. And there've been clashes where, again, you do your best, you know, but also I've seen when those combinations that we took a risk on pay off and it's just wonderful um I don't mind being proved wrong again you know there's been times where I've I prefer I think health positive conflict is super important in a production like whenever I've produced shows it's been really important to have you know a production manager or a CG suit that challenge me and that you know that get the best out of, we get the best out of each other you know I push them they push me and you know but you sort of have an understanding of when it matters or when it's really important to you you say so and you know even if I don't agree with you if it matters that much to you okay we'll, we'll try it out or we'll pursue whatever it is um it's really important to you know to be okay with getting it you know wrong but the point is you know it's 
don't worry about always being right. That's fine. That's fine. Just get it right in the end. Yeah, it's a great point. I mean, I used to, I used to worry a lot, you know, back in the earlier days of Big Mouth Audio that, um, you know, if you, you know, I, I guess you know it's different when you're sort of hands on the tools for so much stuff. But it used to be a case of, you know, if you did something and you poured your heart and soul into it and then you get feedback of, no, that's not right, or we just don't need that, or, you know, the the idea of, I love that idea of positive conflict, you know, that that used to be difficult, or or you would maybe be engaged in positive conflict and, and, and kind of during the process thinking, oh, this is, you know, th- we're not going to work with this client again because, you know, they hate us or something like that and then you kind of realize at the end of the project that uh you get great feedback or the pro the project has delivered as as uh as it should and it kind of feels like then the dust settles and everybody's kind of been through that process together um and then i suppose like feedback as well you know between your teams and between your client and things like that it's it's kind of sharing that knowledge isn't it and and taking it on board which which we found over the years uh you know working with various clients and yourself included that you know taking taking on that kind of uh feedback positive and negative and then implementing it just can have such a an incredible impact on you know on your department or on your business or 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 on your team performance yeah and it's not you know it's not easy to to hear sort of the the constructive stuff you know it can be really tough but you know i think it's it, i agree with you it's so important to be open to feedback but also seek feedback you know how can how can i make this better you know and and how can we improve but i think as, as well you know another huge thing that I've come to sort of cope better with is the fact that you're not going to please everybody and you can have the best of intentions in the world and some people will just never accept or won't like how you're doing it or won't respect how you're doing it. Again, I'm not like, you know, it's great to be liked, but I'm not really you know if somebody doesn't like me that that that's fine but ultimately I do demand <laughs> respect you know like it's really really important to be respectful in in any sort of environment um yeah and, but it is it's hard it's hard you know knowing those those boundaries as well um yeah it's, it comes with experience I suppose doesn't it and trial and error um so a couple couple of questions left then uh in terms of kind of standout projects or or sort of career points is there anything that you can share with us in terms of you know a, a particular project or something like that that just kind of you look back on fondly or something that you know you're particularly proud of um yeah i mean it, i think uh the monster high movies that we did with Mattel. So they were Axis's first, you know, low budget feature. But I mean, we did two 70 minute movies in 18 months. I mean, that was, it was just crazy. Um, But again, it was such, it was tough, but such an incredible team 
such an incredible team. You know, it, it really made that experience. And the fact that at the time I had, you know, a five, six-year-old daughter who loved, you know, came to love Monster High and, and it was great. Um, I think that that paid off in so many levels. And, you know, I thought, again, for for the budget we had and and, and I thought that the movie looked great. Um, I think the next one, you know, Kiss Me First, again, an incredible experience really quite tough as a production um just lots of challenges but it's the team the team really really made it you know and there were you know points in there that I was going to my head of production and being like I don't think I can do this anymore you know and having that 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 support structure around you that believe in you and spur you on and and get you through it you know and I suppose that's what I'm trying to do for the people who I now manage is you know watch out for them keep encouraging them keep supporting them and yeah keep developing them and that I mean one of the the best most fun ones that sticks to my mind was working on the Lego series show again perks as a job we got to go to Lego and it was just I mean, it was difficult circumstances because we were launching series and we were trying to just tighten up on where we were on um, on another of the series. So it it was that sort of perfect mix of, oh my God, we're at Lego. This is so fun. And I'm a huge Lego fan and my kids love Lego. And oh, we can go to the Lego employee shop and it was great. And then like, oh my God, how are we going to do this? So the schedule's so tight. The budget's so tight. Oh my God. You know, so that, that sort of, that mix. Um, but again, the team at Lego, the team at Passion Paris, and and the team that we'd built up with the writers in LA and the pre-pro team here in the UK, it was really quite special. You know, it felt special, and yeah. And now the the, the Marvel series, which is again a whole new, it's just a whole new level. Um, but so exciting and what the team's doing, it's, you know, no short of just spectacular. It's beautiful and they're absolutely killing it, absolutely smashing it. So can't wait to, to be sharing that and hopefully getting some of these, any one of these development opportunities off the ground um, for, for the future. Yeah, fantastic. Exciting times. I don't, I don't suppose there's any point asking for information on the, the Marvel series as to what it's about. <laughs> my head would be on a platter. Honestly, yeah. I'm, I'm not even, my husband sticks his head in the door and I'm like, so you're, you can't, yeah. <laughs> you can't look. It's, Five locks in the door. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, it's really tight on, on security, but yeah. um, you know, the, the, our clients, they're a lovely, lovely bunch. Do you know? So it does, it's, it's about the journey, it's about the people. So Yeah, 100%. But, well, the, the, the output is not half bad, is it? No. <laughs> um, well, that's perfect timing, Phil. You are, I know you're not hugely familiar with, uh, with the, 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 the podcast, but, so this might throw you off a little bit, but we always finish with the, the same question for every guest. And that is, if you could be remembered for one thing, 
what would it be? And that is, it can be in your personal life, it can be in your career, it can be both. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'll pass that one over to you. Um, I can be remembered. Just for, I, I don't know, for being kind and being useful. Just, that's fine yeah. yeah don't know it's the best i could do on the spot <laughs> yeah fair. excellent well to be, yeah to be to be fair fair and yeah. useful there we go that's that's absolutely fine um yeah fantastic that has been <laughs> it's been a real pleasure to 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 catch up with you Paul, and uh um i was really keen to get you on the show because i knew there'd be loads of uh really useful insightful uh, information on uh on a just how to manage the chaos of uh, of projects not just in animation but on the scale of of the projects that axis work on so i know uh, our audience will get loads of information and uh, and value from this so uh yeah so thank you so much pleasure pleasure and uh, yeah hopefully we'll uh, catch up with you again soon in person all right Let's do that. Great. Thank you. Cheers.